probably the biggest setback has been learning how to navigate through these different famines. The feast always comes and then learning how to budget that money that you might get in a lump sum has been a very, very big learning curve for me. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our 9 to 5. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. On this episode, I speak with Ben, who is the co-founder of Vagabond Podcast, a podcast production company that helps make podcasters' lives a little easier by helping them edit, mix, and master their show so they can focus on content. So listen on to find out how Ben has been able to live a location-independent lifestyle as a remote audio engineer. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to speak with our guest today because he's such an important part of my podcast. I'm here with Ben, who is my amazing editor. Hey Ben, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Debbie. How are you? I am wonderful. So before we get to all of the things that we're going to talk about today, can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, so my name's Ben Smith. I'm a freelance audio engineer currently based out of Houston, Texas. And I guess I live an offbeat life because I've worked strictly as a freelance engineer for the last six years. And throughout that journey, it's taken me all over the country working with fantastic clients, working in recording studios, working on movies. And yeah, it's just been a real whirlwind of you know the last six years and can't wait to see where else it takes me. I'm so glad that you found me Ben because if you all know anything about podcasting someone who knows how to edit your work is super crucial and it took me a really long time to find Ben and he actually found me And it's amazing what you do, especially now with the huge amount of people who want to start doing their own show. How did you get into this? How did you get into this type of career? Yeah, so it all started really in about 2018. I was working out of a recording studio in Illinois, and it was kind of the slow season. Summertime, bands started gigging more rather than recording. And I was just looking for some more consistent work that could just fill my time throughout the week. And then on the weekends, I would go work the live shows with the bands. But throughout that, I found a client on Upwork, actually, and was working with him for a couple months. And he actually interviewed Debbie on his show. And so <laughs> really, I just cold uh, DM'd her on Instagram and just hit her up and you know asked if she had anybody editing her podcast. And I think actually at the time you did have somebody, but a couple months went by and then you got back in touch with me. And yeah, we started down this journey and it's it's been really great so far. 
Yeah, it's pretty amazing because a lot of people are super afraid of what you did, right? You just messaged me and I do get messages from people who want to work with me with certain things. And I do have people that I'm working with already, but you never know what's going to happen. And I think that's such an important thing to learn is it's never bad to approach someone, especially if you're doing it in a way where it's really great. They're going to need the services. And what happened with us was I did. I did need a new editor. And now Ben is like this awesome person <laughs> who does it all. And now he like reads my mind. I don't even need to tell him anything. He's just like Ben, this super editor that I have, oh which gosh. is incredible. Well, you, you make my life so easy, honestly. we have a good working relationship now where i just give him stuff and he's like bam done (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's been really great i got into podcasts like i said in about 2018 and just kind of like fell in love with the production aspect of it and just the freedom that comes along with it with you know entrepreneurs such as yourself that it gives you this whole new platform to put out content and brand yourself and it's just it's really great so really i so excited to be a part of you know your show as well as you know my other clients that I'm working with it's it's just a really great opportunity so now that you have been doing this for quite some time and you've edited quite a few types of podcasts what would you say is your top 3 tips for people who are starting this out and they want killer audio for their show <laughs> so probably the biggest one is a decent microphone. I mean, you can you could spend a hundred bucks on a mic that is just going to take your podcast from you know sounding amateur to very pro level sounding, just bypassing either you know your your built in microphone on your laptop or your headphone microphones or anything like that. Just putting in that initial investment to get a dedicated microphone is just so so important. And probably the second one after that is something to record into. I know a lot of people, they will, just for simplicity's sake, they will record through either Zencaster or Zoom or something like that, which is great just for a really quick, simple interview style. But to get that really proper sounding audio, super, super important to have a dedicated feed for your microphone. And probably the third one, this is going to sound pretty... I don't know, a little little ridiculous, but something called a pop filter is really important too. That's that's going to keep your audio really clean and it's also going to reduce any, you know, plosives that you get from certain consonants. Just a little little thing like that going going kind of in like the nerdier side of audio <laughs> right now, but just maintaining that super clean, clear audio is what's going to not only attract listeners, but also going to keep listeners coming back to your show week after week. Well, the tips that Ben gave you, he definitely gave me and it definitely took my podcast audio to the next level. And I've been doing it for so long and I'm like, oh my gosh, okay, let me see if this helps. And now the audio quality is so much better because I listen to actually what you say. So (laughs) thanks for that, Ben. Oh, my What you're saying is actually (laughs) true. (laughs) Now, going back to when you first started editing, is this something that you wanted to be, you wanted to be an audio engineer all your life, or is just something that you kind of got into by mistake or with luck, I guess? Yeah. So I guess it was 
Oh, I was probably 16. I was in a band and we were just making demos at, you know, at my parents' house, just messing around. And for whatever reason, I was always the one in charge of doing the recording. And I had no idea what I was doing, obviously. And just kind of through trial and error, I found that I really enjoyed doing it. And then some of the other local bands would come to me and ask me to record some of their stuff. And, it, you know, it was all for fun, just hanging out, having a good time. But then that led me after high school to go to audio engineering school out in Phoenix, Arizona. And so I went through that program, absolutely fell in love with the the studio aspect of things. So then after, after I got done with that, I moved to Nashville for two years where I worked exclusively in studios, worked with some of the larger country acts, as well as somehow, I, I still have no idea why or how this ended up on my plate, but I got wrangled into doing a bunch of orchestral classical music, which I'm not a classical <laughs> person, not classically trained or anything. So that was a really, really strange change of pace, but it was an incredible situation and led me to being featured in films, doing the scores for them, national films, as well as a couple international films. So it was really great getting to get that experience of being in these huge sessions with all these string players, very, very fast paced, lots of money on the line, so very high stress situations. And through there, it evolved into me moving to Illinois, my home state, opening up my own studio where I worked with local artists, you know, just really got to move from that high stress situation to kind of your one-on-one interacting with your client in a very personal way that I really didn't get experience a lot in Nashville because it's, you know, everything's financially based there. It's all very high stress and you only have a couple hours to pump out as many songs as you can versus what I was doing in Illinois was very relaxed. We had the studio to ourselves and we could just take the time and really craft what they were doing, craft the sounds. And I think it was really beneficial for me to get that experience of sitting in a tight knit space with just me and a client, sorting through stuff, interacting with them, and yeah, it was, it was a really great experience that I think has translated extremely well to now doing a lot of podcast editing where, you know, in me and Debbie's case, we have never met face to face. We finally, <laughs> la- or two weekends ago, had a video call. And <laughs> so it's, it's translated really well in the ability to speak to your clients through email in a very friendly and yet professional way. And so it's been really, really amazing to kind of have this transition. (laughs) That's one of the best things about being able to do this, right? Because years ago, you didn't even have this opportunity to do now with podcasting and so many other different prospects that you have digitally, you're able to do this from anywhere technically. So you have me, I'm in New York City and you're all the way on the other side of the country and you're doing work and you have all of these different clients from all over. And that's really exciting. And it's something that you really enjoy to do. Yeah, I really love the freedom that this allows you know, not only me to have, but the the clients that I'm working with, you know, you, for example, you could be anywhere in the world and send me files to do. And I've edited your files here in Houston, Texas and in Illinois. I've done files in Virginia and airports and Florida. <laughs> really having that freedom to 
to travel and still work is something that, you know, honestly, I'm still getting used to. It's it's a really great luxury that, like you said, a couple of years ago just really wasn't an option. Yeah. And as an audio engineer, you've done this for quite some time, as you said. But for somebody who is thinking about doing what you're doing right now, what are some of the main equipments that you absolutely can't live without or you would recommend to someone who also wants to edit for other people or even just for themselves? Sure. As far as editing goes, you can really go bare bones to where I I would suggest at least getting a Apple computer, either a MacBook or an iMac, Mac mini, anything like that, just because a lot of these audio software programs, they they interact really well with Macs. That's just been my experience. So from there, if you have an Apple computer, it comes stock with GarageBand, which will give you that bare bones. You can do basic edits. You It comes with a, a set of plugins, basic EQs, compression, all of that stuff that can really get the ball rolling. And if you want to get a little more in-depth, I, th- I can't remember the price on it. Maybe a couple hundred bucks. You can buy Apple's Logic Pro, which is a more professional digital audio workstation that's going to give you even more flexibility, more capabilities, and it's just going to give you a bit more of a professional feeling. Granted, it does take a little bit more time to learn than GarageBand. I, so I would say if you're if you're just getting started, probably stick with GarageBand. There's tons of videos on YouTube of people giving tutorials on how to do just kind of basic editing. But really, that's all you need is just a digital audio workstation. You could get Audacity. That's also free if you're on a Windows-based computer, but there's tons of options out there. Most of them are going to do the same things being basic recording, basic EQ, compression, you know, all, all of these really simple things that realistically that's all you need, you know, just learning how to manipulate those in the correct way is the important thing. And like I said, there's the, the pro audio community is large. There's tons of information out there. That's really a great thing about this industry is that no one really hides information. You know, we're, we're all kind of an open book. We're all playing the same, same game and we're all playing on the same team. We all want to win and provide the best product as possible. So tons of resources out there that can teach you, tons of people that you can just reach out to. And odds are they'll hit you right back with, okay, well, maybe you should try this thing or try this thing to fix your problem. So it's really great. Honestly, the best advice I can say is just jump into it, fumble your way through it, stumble around and you'll figure it out. Yeah, you're so right. There's so many different things that are online right now that if you really wanted to do this, you can definitely start right away. You can start today if you want to. And when I started a few years ago, I was doing what Ben said to start with. I was using GarageBand. Obviously, my audio wasn't that good. I didn't have my recorder yet. But honestly, when you're just beginning, you're sampling things out. You're figuring out. You're learning. And And it's all right to mess up, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's okay to mess up. And honestly, in the beginning, I always feel like if you're going to start a podcast, it's really important to also understand what it's like to edit because it makes you more understanding of what your editor is going through. (laughs) One reason why I love Debbie. You you did your own (laughs) editing. And so you understand some of the, uh, I won't say frustrations, but just what the editors are looking for. Yes, exactly. Very much appreciated. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, okay. So honestly, all right. When I first started, right, I had about 45 minutes of the initial edit. There's nothing edited yet. So it was 45 minutes to like an hour I started with. And it took me, oh my God, Ben, like almost 10 hours. Yeah, like eight to 10 hours to do 45 oh, minutes. No. And sometimes it was longer. So obviously I got better. Like when I got my first editor, I was probably doing it for like four to five hours. So it was mm-hmm. half that. So I'm like, yay, good job, Debbie. Yeah. You're finally doing this right. And like, so I know exactly like the pain, like what I needed to do. Actually, also when you're editing yourself, you know what type of filler words you use, you know what you shouldn't do anymore. Yeah. And that's that's kind of a cool thing, too, is that, you know, you having done your editing, that probably made you a better interviewer because you were more conscious of the like you said, the filler words that you're throwing in the cadence that you're speaking with all these things that you might not catch if you're just doing the interviewing and then sending the files off. Absolutely. And it makes your job so much easier because me not saying like and you know all the time will just make your life so much easier. And it also really is very painful when you're listening to yourself over and over again. You're like, oh my God, I need to stop doing this. It's just annoying. And I you're always your biggest critic, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not looking forward to editing my own episode. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's always painful to hear yourself. I don't even bother anymore. I'm like, okay, that's yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're just used to it at this point. Because <laughs> there's just so much, and that's why I tell people all the time: if you're not making money from it, or if your business doesn't make a lot of money yet, and you're just starting this out, do your editing. Because even if you do, I think it helps so much and you become a better speaker in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a, it's a great perspective on, on all of it. Yeah. So for you, Ben, throughout all of this, what has been the biggest setback that you've encountered as an entrepreneur? So probably the biggest one was when I was focusing primarily on just working with musicians and recording them, mixing them, mastering, doing all of that. It's a very feast or famine industry. And so probably the biggest setback has been learning how to navigate through these different famines. The feast always comes and then learning how to budget that money that you might get in a lump sum has been a very, very big learning curve for me. Just as I got started professionally when I was 19 and when someone just hands you a pile of money for doing an album, like you're just going to go blow it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then you might not get more work for, you know, a couple of weeks, maybe a month, just because the, the industry only has so many artists. And so probably the biggest setback has been navigating those feasts and famine and Honestly, podcasting has been a huge way to do that for me. It's given me a level of consistency that honestly, without doing live sound, I wasn't used to. And I enjoy doing live sound, but that was never my passion. It was more of just a way to pay the bills. And so finding this avenue of editing podcasts, mixing, consulting, doing all of these things to, to help this growing industry has has been really, really helpful because it's given me a level of consistency. And I'm sure there will be more setbacks that come, but right now this has been really great to kind of find this out, learn from this and really grow with it. Yeah. And there's so many different types of opportunities right now because I can't even tell you how many people come to me every week and tell me they're going to start a podcast or oh, they ask 
certain questions about how to do it. And it's just going to keep growing. I feel like it's such a great industry and it's a great platform. Absolutely. Great platform. You know, I mean, most people are going to commute to work on a, you know, their Monday through Friday. And to me, a podcast is the best way to pass that time. You know, you can either listen to comedy podcasts, which is going to pass the time really easily, or you can listen to something like Debbie's podcast, where you're going to learn something, you're going to learn from other people. And, you know, it's just, it's really great. And it's ever growing. It's free to publish. It's free to record. And it's just, it's really great to me. Absolutely. And I think you also get to meet people, you know, like, for example, I'm interviewing you and people are technically really meeting you and learning your story and maybe reach out to you. (laughs) Hopefully reach out to Ben. He's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Debbie. Then when you started this trajectory to this lifestyle into this business did you have any money saved to start your own business if you did how were you able to budget it to make it last um i wish that i had but like i said (laughs) i just pretty well lived this life since day one i've had some full-time jobs i'm currently working a full-time job to to save up some money for a for for the next venture but realistically it's just been kind of flowing with it from day one and so Honestly, I don't I don't really have a good answer for that because <laughs> you know, since since I was 19, I've just worked freelance. It's really interesting, right? If this is the type of life you know, you don't know what it's like to do anything else. So for a lot of yeah. people, it's kind of nerve-wracking, but if this is the life that you've always had, it's kind of just the norm for you. So you're like, "Okay, well, this is just every day for me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, to an extent, you know, I mean, like I said, right now, I, I do have a full time gig. And that has been quite the adjustment, I will say, going from six years of just strictly working for myself and being hired out by different clients, that to me made the most sense. But there, there was a part of me that wanted to try the full time job. And so I got in with a production company, that's where I'm working now. And It's honestly, it's been an adjustment. Like you said, this has been the only adult life that I know is having this amount of freedom to go and do as I want. And, you know, as long as I have the finances for it, I can spend my day however I want. It has, it's, it's been an adjustment in the other side of it. You know, most people might be a little nervous to drop the full-time job to move towards this more freelance lifestyle. But for me, I've done the opposite and it it has been an adjustment for sure. What about... Now that you have your day job, right? How do you usually find work when you're a freelancer? It's the total opposite. You know, it's like you said, it's feast or famine when you're freelancing, but then there's more security for your day job and you're kind of making sure that you have savings in order to be on your own again. But when you're finally on your own, how do you get the clients? I know how you found me. Is that usually <laughs> how you do it? Or there's other techniques that you can share with us that's really valuable? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's always the option of just like sending a cold email or in Debbie and I's case, I just sent her a cold DM on Instagram. You know, that has worked, I'll say relatively well. You can definitely land clients that way. I'd say it's probably easiest if you're doing podcasting to cold email people like that. In the world that I originally came from in music, honestly, it was all about the network that you were a part of. And I think that's still incredibly important. But in the music industry, very based on 
who you know, what artists do you know, what producers do you know, what engineers do you know? And that honestly would lend to itself of, for example, whenever I lived in Nashville, I would, you know, maybe go to the barber and just start talking, talking to my barber and they would ask what I do. And they'd be like, no way. Do you know this person? I'd be like, yeah, I do actually. And then they'd be like, okay, well, you know, I've got this, this band that needs somebody to record. Can you record for them? And it really happens in an extremely organic way. And I think that's still totally possible in even like a digital realm, like podcasting, you know, where most of my clients I've never met. It's all, <laughs> it's all through email. But like I was saying earlier, being able to form that relationship through a digital way lends to itself to where I think in my original message to you, Debbie, I said, I work with so-and-so. I just heard you on his podcast you know, I love what you're doing. And if you need an editor, I'd love to do a trial episode for you. And so something like that kind of builds that network of you reading that I'm already connected with somebody that you're familiar with. And it, it builds that level of trust. It's really difficult to just cold email somebody and just say, hey, I do podcast editing. I'd like to work for you. You know, that tends to not work out so great at least for me, it might for other people. But for me, I really haven't had a lot of luck with that. But building a network of people that you know, and that the person you're trying to reach out to knows, just having that mutual connection builds a level of trust, it builds a level of credibility, and can really blossom into some really fruitful relationships. And also, because you were doing it in such a personalized way, it was better for it personally for me you know because like you said sure. it was somebody that i knew already it was a mutual person and now with me i'm trying to get the word out on ben because he's such an incredible editor and i think word of mouth is a huge way of getting clients as well especially if you're such a good worker if you're a good business person and you know what you're doing people will automatically want to refer you to others yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this this goes back, at least in my experience, to the music industry. Everything, like you said, Debbie, is is word of mouth. And that's one beautiful thing that happens in the not only music industry, but the audio industry, is that once you build a reputation, you have no choice but to treat people the right way. Because if you don't, everyone's going to talk about it. You know, I've witnessed this firsthand with some people that I used to work with. They were, you know, not so great to be around, not so great to spend time in the studio with. And lo and behold, in a few years, nobody wants to work with them because that travels quickly. You know, if, if you make a client upset or you make an artist upset, they're going to tell people. And then before you know it, you don't have any work. And so it's really, really important to maintain a good relationship with all of your clients. It doesn't take a lot of effort to compose an email that is friendly, uplifting, doesn't take a lot of time to compliment them. And it's, it's all organic. And that's the thing is, if that's how you actually feel, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be conveyed even through a digital format like an email or a video call. Yeah, and I love that approach because it usually works. And I try to do the same when it comes to clients or yeah. even when you just want to do a collaboration with other artists or other entrepreneurs. It's just a great way to do it, especially when you do it authentically, which is what Ben has been doing. Absolutely. The authenticity is always the key. Yeah. So now, Ben, let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. 
What legacy would you like to leave? And what do you want to be remembered for? I knew this question was coming. <laughs> yes, you edit all of it. So you know this was coming. <laughs> and I, I still don't have a good answer for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess I want to be remembered as somebody that took a audio platform such as podcasting and made a positive impact and helped clients, entrepreneurs, everybody reach as much of their potential as possible through this platform and doing that through proper technique, teaching them that proper editing and just helping their business. I mean, that's that's what I love doing is helping my clients, helping them reach their goals. And so I really hope in 50 years that I can be remembered as somebody that's done that, as well as maintaining that just genuine authenticity towards everybody, all of my clients, and just a level of kindness that I hope, you know, is remembered by them. Well, I love that legacy, Ben, and you're definitely doing that for me right now. So it's already coming to fruition, which is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Love to hear that. (laughs) Are you currently working on anything that is really exciting to you? Yeah, so there's actually really big plans for 2020 that me and a business partner and good friend in Nashville have. And we're still in the development stage of it. But basically, the the idea with it is, as audio engineers, both of us love podcasts. We love working on podcasts. The idea is to start kind of a freelance community of audio engineers and all of us just collaborate share ideas and share work with each other you know if somebody's overwhelmed with clients you've you've got a resource to pass it along to you know one of your friends somebody that you know is going to do great work and just a community for people to come to if you're starting a podcast and you you don't know where to go you can come to us as just kind of that starting resource to help get your show off the ground. That's headed down. It is still developing, but really, really excited for that and to just see where that goes and hopefully, you know, help out the podcasting community as much as we can, as well as helping out the audio community. I love that. I love that idea. And it's definitely going to be very successful because there are so many of us that need your help. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so probably the easiest way to get in touch with me is through Instagram. You can find me at Ben underscore Smith underscore. I'm pretty active on there. So if you have any questions, feel free to just shoot me a uh, DM on there and I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ben, for speaking with us. I'm so excited for you to share all of these different things that you've shared with me and my audience, too, because it's so exciting to introduce you to everybody. Yeah, thank you, Debbie. It's been really fun. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Ben. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares the podcasting basics and what you'll need in order to start your own show. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreateapodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreateapodcast.com. See you there. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. And I'm so thankful for your support. 
I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.